was as if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Yeah, kia ora, good Norman from Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport, show number 116. You're with myself, Nathan Snade. Of course, Scott Brown joins me. He's just getting off his chair there. He obviously had a bit of a training, uh, a hard training weekend. Denis Stuart Logier is also with us in the studio. He's still sitting on his backside, but I guess he's Mate, got he's, a very he's, good reason. He's doing dips on the chair. He's doing he dips loves on it. the chair. <laughs> he is he loves indeed. It. Sunday, 23rd of the July. Have you been watching the Masters this week? Uh, the Masters, the Open Masters this weekend? Masters was a couple of months ago, pal. Have you been watching the Open? I have, dipping in and out. In and out. What, what about the Formula One? Uh, the best part of the Formula One for me was actually the trophy uh, ceremony after when Lando Norris has... Well, I didn't know that. If you bump the champagne on the bottom, it makes it go like that. And he's done that. And then poor old Verstappen's trophy, mind you, he's got plenty of them anyway, falls off and smashes on the floor. If you haven't seen it, check out our Instagram page. You'll see it. It's gold. Absolute gold. You're getting in a bit of trouble. Uh, one. Yeah, would, you might be in trouble in that one. One would think. Um, no Anthony Perez this evening. No no football tonight. So we'll, Two weeks in a row he's uh, yeah, shot off on a Sunday. Three strikes and you're out, mate. Three strikes and you're out. We've got a funny one from the football. We're lucky enough to tune into a bit of the Champions League qualifiers that have been going on. I know you've got a funny story about the uh, the Glen Tour and match who actually the, the reason there's an interest in it is because the winner of this game is actually playing against Doudelange in the next round um, we've obviously had Philip Boych on the show before well what's on the menu today obviously you've got the Open uh, the Women's World Cup Formula 1 sport and the history uh, and in the world today the Diamond League uh, the Ashes has been washed out we've got a uh, catch up and an interview with uh, Stuart Logier uh, we've got a little bit on the British Lions in 2025 and then obviously the final stage of the Tour de France. Stu, for anybody who doesn't know you, this is essentially an interview. Zach Osborne writes listening in, so, you know, <laughs> sell me this pen. Sell me. Who are you? What do you do? Let's go from there, mate. Uh, bonsoir. Good evening. Uh, my name is Stuart Logier. I used to play rugby, well, still do, uh, for Luxembourg Rugby, for RCL. Um, I've played a little bit all over the world. And just recently coming back from what might be the uh, the longest one of the longest rehabs in the world um 1715 days so that's four years and eight months for those that are not uh, better better with bigger units of time and um yeah just getting back into it loving it good man you're uh, what are you doing for work at the moment these days I am just that'd be awkward if you're like uh, currently seeking employment actually, but no, no, I'm only messing. Go. I I'm starting my third year at Stowe School, so a place that you'll know very well. Um, being an old Stoic, and uh, I'll be going into teacher training um, for geography, but I also have my um, fingers in a few pies with rugby coaching and uh, strength and conditioning as well. Happy days. Was it a bit of a slip on a slip under the principal's um, uh, what do you call it, principal's uh, door? Scott, you're that was a that's your turf, isn't it, Stowe? Is that, that's not where you went. Yeah, yeah, back at the back of my neck yeah. of the woods. Yeah. yeah, and now he's in there. You didn't you didn't help get his CV well, under I the line. Can't possibly say anything like that. <laughs> can't possibly say anything like that. Stu, we'll uh, we'll get in, we've got some cool bits to talk about, and hopefully uh, you'll set me off on some funny stories because we have some good times together. Um, I know for anybody listening in, obviously playing rugby, the social part of the game is very massive, and Stu, you always contribute massively to uh, that part of the troisième mi-temps, as they call it in uh, in France. Um, as always, we start things off. Uh, with sport and history in the world today uh, a lot of these are to do with golf uh, well actually only one of them is to do with golf because um, obviously the Open's just finishing up I think your man's going to win it isn't he he doesn't look like he's going to butcher it at this no, stage he's, does it? He's, he's, I think he's six shots ahead at the moment ok happy days uh, but yeah in 2000 the British men's uh, golf was in uh, Royal uh, Leitherman St Anne's Tiger Woods beat Thomas Bjorn and uh, Ernie Els by eight shots to win his first title and the significance of that is he was actually the youngest player at 24 years old wow. to win all four majors. Is there any record that doesn't go go broken? I think um, Brian Harmon, he's eight shots ahead now. Yeah. Uh, sorry, six shots ahead now with, I think, like, got four four more holes to play. 
the bigger the the biggest win is actually by Tiger Woods. He won by fifteen strokes in the USPGA um, in two thousand. Animal, absolute animal, beast. Another one for you in two thousand, the same year. Um, this was the eighty seventh uh, Tour de France, uh, and obviously Lance Armstrong was um, notorious. You know, he was stripped of all his titles. But the, the significance of uh, this one was there was actually no winner. They decided to declare no winner. So normally if someone's cheated or something, everyone gets, you know, bumped up accordingly, don't they? Um, that wasn't happened. Um, and yeah, the uh, UCI um, decided that they would not award the victories to any other riders or upgrade other placings in uh, any of the affected events. So that blank on the trophy really is Lance Armstrong. They yeah. really know who he is. So it's Lance yeah. Armstrong. Lance. Oh, no. Because on the trophy, they've obviously scratched his name. Yeah. Out. What year was that again? 2000. 2000. No, 2012. Uh... No, no, 2012 was when the decision was, um, that's when it all came out that he okay. was uh, being it... naughty, naughty. Because I, I know there was, there's a time period, obviously, in the late 90s when cycling, a lot of stuff went, went wrong and a lot of doping. And they, I can't remember the exact number, but they were doing analysis of the table. And I think to find someone that hadn't been convicted of doping, you had to go down below the, the tens. So you were kind of in the mid-teens for the highest ranking uh, cyclist who didn't have dope, doping convictions. It'd be quite funny looking at that trophy, actually. So you see all these names and they're aligned through it. But that's what you do. And if you, they, if you go they, on Instagram, they, go on uh, not on Instagram, sorry, go on Wikipedia and you, you check out the 2000 uh, Tour de France and all the details and stuff, it just has a red line. It says Lance Armstrong and just a red line through then, his then, name. Then, so then they put whoever got second place and they put a line through that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Because, until I mean, until you get down to number... It should be something like uh, yeah, this data is not available or something like this at the time of print, this data is not available. Um, also, uh, in 2019, um, Nike's Jordan brand signed the 2019 NBA number one draft pick Zion Williamson um, for his sponsorship. So in his rookie year, this was worth 75 million over seven years. So that... So not only are you the number one draft pick, but also for Nike, you're, the, you're obviously that's a that's a big, big that's contract. a big yeah. I was I was big contract, but big bet as well. Oh. I mean, what happens if he gets six injured months injured six months into it? Wow! But but they um I was obviously you know Instagram and Facebook is great for these little snippets of videos and stuff where they they talk to the the current crop and and the older generation and and the big I guess the the feeling amongst the older guys is these guys come in and are basically shown all the cheddar without actually having to, you know, turn it on. So yeah, you could be a great high school prospect. You could be a great college prospect, but you need to, you know, you're getting offered all this money. Um, but you've, you're not, you know, you've not won anything or done anything in the NBA. It's, it's almost like they're, they're taking a punt on you to be Massive. the next biggest superstar. Uh, and then the last one, happy, happy birthday. birthday, Morris Green or Maurice Green. Um, Obviously, sprinter, American sprinter, mate. He used to. I used to love watching him because he used to be massive into like the visualization and stuff of him going down the track. And boy, could he shift! Nine point seven nine was the quickest he ran. Uh, world, record world record in nineteen ninety nine. Born in Kansas City, Kansas. Olympic gold in the hundred meter, four by one hundred meter in two thousand. World championship gold in the hundred meter in ninety seven. Hundred meter, two hundred meter, four by one hundred in nineteen ninety nine. Wow, very very impressive. Stuart, what's your favourite track event? Uh, I do enjoy 100 metres. It's probably the, the most fun to watch. Um, just that that raw pace. Um, yeah, 100 metres. Yeah, and um, what what would be the least favourite if you had to do any, any track event? Uh, least favourite if you had to do it. If I event. had to do it, oh. I've seen the height of the hurdles and they're very high. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to make a balls, you don't want to make a balls up of that, right. that's for sure. Okay, actually, funny one, I thought, <laughs> the steeplechase, mate. Because that's, you know, obviously it's like 3,000 metres and then you've got to go over that big hurdle and you... It's, jump into the water. Yeah, you can't, it's... Well, you don't want to. You don't you, want to jump. Soggy, I've seen a brilliant one of a guy basically get to the top, and I think he was winning. Just be like, oh, just, <laughs> just splash into that, it. Like that, that actually happened at, at Stowe for our sports day a couple of weeks ago uh, before the summer. Um, we had the steeplechase back for the first time in a number of years. Can you imagine that? That's all the kids. Wait, there just to jump in. This is what we're talking about at Stowe. We're actually talking about doing the steeplechase as an athletics event. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, the ki- the kids loved it. First lap, they usually took it fairly seriously. Jump. Deep, like far far away, try not to get too wet. And on the second lap, when they're coming around, or the last lap, 
we saw a couple of somersaults into a 80 centimeter puddle so um health and safety might might be uh having yeah, a go and white shorts as well thinking of a thinking of a yeah, private English school. You must have white shorts for your uh, track. Oh, you have all separate coloured vests for your houses and stuff like that. You know, you don't have to borrow spikes and stuff. You've probably got your own, all that sort of stuff. You know, <laughs> and um, your big cricket bag. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> probably got your own physio up there or something yeah. like that as yeah, well. Of course, you do it, Stowe. Um, <laughs> um, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll fire into this interview with Stu, uh, get a bit of his background, talk about his journey, and then we're going to tag it on to uh, sort of youth development and uh, and sport and sort of comparing the the experiences of what you've having grown up in Luxembourg but then also moving over to UK you know the similarities the differences and what we could potentially look if we were put in charge to alter slightly don't want to say change because there's you're never going to change you completely a bit of word, Oof, isn't it? good jargon there Nathan good jargon nice short one as well um yeah so Stuart Logier um yeah, he's current Luxembourg International 300, number 300, isn't it? Oh, uh, it's actually 297. Is it? Yeah, um, because I don't know who's in charge of that Facebook page, Wikipedia page, um, but I was the only, out of those numbers, 297, 98, 299 and 300, I actually started, I was part of the starting 15, the other three were on the bench, oh. and someone's actually put it on Wikipedia alphabetically. Oh, so actually 297, 297. 297 would have been a good okay. number, but you're 297, which is also three numbers better. Um, he's been out <laughs> in the uh, the international winter wilderness, I would say, for the last um, five seasons, having not played, not played any rugby at all. Um, you know, some often refer to him as the king of uh, ACL rehabilitation. So just let's start off with the... Uh, with the injuries, mate, where did it? Where's the first one happened, and then what's what's gone on from there? Oh, I still remember the day, um, Melbourne Melbourne Basin Reserve Rugby Pitch, sixth um, of October, twenty eighteen. Um, don't hold any grudges or anything. Uh, we're playing seventh tournament. Actually, ended up winning, and yeah, just got tackled. Bit of a freak one. Um, leg got caught under someone else. Got tackled from behind. The knee heard a loud pop. Um, when you've played rugby or in particular but sport in general if you hear a pop you know it's generally quite bad um, after a couple of MRIs and scans yeah it was um, ACL tear uh, meniscus was ripped off the bone and um, a lot of cartilage damage um, so yeah I had to I had to stick at, stick at it with a lot of rehab came back to Luxembourg got some surgery done and then it was onto the grind rehabbed for about year and a half um, COVID hit so that kind of hampered things a little bit and then as I was coming out of I thought I was at the end of the tunnel I was back at back at training um, playing with the boys at, up at Sessange and then had a little bit of a relapse um, yeah fell the knee swell, swole up again had to get some more scans and then showed that there was a little bit more um, cartilage and, and meniscus damage so I had to go under the knife again more so more again so it wasn't from the it, it, it it wasn't from the initial. No, it was. It was like a little bit more. Um, yeah, pieces of yeah, pieces of cartilage just detaching from the bone and bones grinding on top of each other. Um, so I had to go yeah for another operation and then another stint of rehab, and um, yeah, just been working hard in the background, chipping away in uh, in on my own. Um, not always easy, obviously. Rugby big part of and and other sports in general big part of it is is team like that, that team environment that people really really enjoy um seeing people at training socializing after after a match Hello. so um uh but but could you get involved in another way we water water boy for example or i mean yeah so as soon as i was able to kind of jog jog um, I went down to RCL and I just lent lent a hand with coaching started off with the twos um so I kind of had free reign on on them um usually did a lot of strength conditioning um something i've always kind of been interested in so i would usually lead these kind of long warm-ups and a little bit of skill work with some of the under 16s under 18s um, just got really got good good taste for it um, and that opened up the opportunity to go to uh, to go to the University of Limerick and do a, a master's in sports performance and strength and conditioning. So. Yeah, but shame you could, weren't able to play your rugby in Limerick either. I mean, you go to the you know a home of rugby. We, and- we're just going to go into as I said, I'm going to big you up here because hey, Stu is ridiculously qualified when you talk about um, no, no, I'm talking about just like. I thought he's the sort of person who just stay at university. Do you ever watch Van Wilder, like okay. Steve Stiffler sort of thing? So Stu, you went to left school. Okay, where'd you go? European school? Uh, no, I went to Lycée Vauban. <laughs> Frenchies, okay. Yeah. So after that, then where have you gone? London? Uh, London School of Economics. Right. For, yeah, bachelor, bachelor in Geography and Economics. Right, okay. And then what's happened? 
and then a couple it took a couple of years every time i get the same thought process i get to my final exam or dissertation i think never again take three years out and i thought ah, go on let's go one more so i went to uh, university college cork did a master's in geography took a couple of years out and then went back at it um but then what did uh, you do did you then you did a master's in sports performance and strength conditioning yeah and now he's gonna do a pgce starting next year well, mate, yeah, he was. tell you what, you got oh, some doors open well, there, right? Eh? What's around the corner? Yeah, mate, I'll tell you what, if you get a business card, how many letters can you put after your name? <laughs> like one of those physios that's got 15,000 letters after their name. Alph- Alphabet Brigade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Stu, uh, I'm lucky enough to have played with you a couple of times, uh, hard as nails. Wait, well, it has to be hard as nails. You was probably stopping some of the mate, some, this, some people flying at you, mate. This is, so. this is the bloke who's throwing daisy cutters at me at training, so I was throwing it back at him, you yeah. know? I'm like, I'm not running onto that. Um, so safety, what, safety, what are you, Stu, Stu, what are you, scrum after? Or a, or a number 12 what, which one uh, s- some people say I should be playing in the forwards <laughs> 6 sometimes 7 6 sometimes you know? 7 yeah, would yeah. probably be a, an accurate description yeah, um, yeah. I think very good defensively you know not something I'd be yeah. familiar with you know so yeah. when you've got a scrum half like that running around cooking fools yeah, it's, uh, historically I've, I've always played in the backs because I understood back play um, and most of the time I could pass the ball off the deck they weren't perfect like by any guy, means like the guy from Cyprus who can pass uh, it with left hand like the guy from Cyprus have I told you, have I told you that no. oh mate so this is uh, this has got to be 20 this is Strava 20, 2017 2017 and we, we'd gone up to just the level below the Grand Prix series, and uh, we were we were the lowest seeded team, mm, um, and we, we were in quite a hard group actually. Um, anyway, after the first day, we've done our training. Uh, also, we'd we'd our training day. We get in. We're in the jacuzzi. All the Czech boys come in now. You know, believe it or not, the Czech boys are actually they're turning a few heads now in sevens and fifteens and stuff. They've got a decent setup, decent team. So their whole team all flood in, and there are some big big boys in there. Um, but they're all young lads. So they're all sat in the jacuzzi with us, and you can just—they're all speaking English to each other, and they start talking about different players from different teams. You know, oh yeah, apparently this guy, yeah, he's a good player from this team and stuff like that. And anyway, I'm sat next to um, Eduardo Angioni, who anybody listening in, <laughs> absolute hero of a bloke. Who else were you in it? Oh, yeah, yeah mate, we're sitting close to each other, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, so we're sat next to each other, and I just see him with this like, with this grin on his face, and I'm like, oh, here we go, something, something, <laughs> something good's coming. And um, so we're in the jacuzzi and um, he's like, guys, have you heard about this guy from Cyprus? And all the Czech boys like, you know, like, oh, this must be good. So they all like lean in like this, like to, you know, to hear, want, want more. you know, Edo's got some inside, inside access, in, inside information on somebody. And he's like, yeah, this guy from Cyprus, he can pass with his left hand but mate he goes he goes he goes deadpan and they're like like it was me and Max Dozan sat there I had to get out I just couldn't and he just he just sat there like not he he knew exactly what he was saying and he knew it was hilarious but these poor these poor lads didn't know what to know what to make of that and they must have thought what are clowns and I think they finished like they finished finished we finished third as well we finished above them that tournament um, well, there's, yeah. a, there's a funny there's one, another blast from the past one of those uh, one of those uh, moments you have to be in there but of course you're in a shut up mate you're, what you're I said a, was funny though you're, in a, was ju- funny. you're in a jacuzzi with uh, Ido why does that not surprise me he's <laughs> a guest we haven't had him by the way so. no hey, mate you could just let him talk you could let him run the show mate he would love he would love it he's, yeah. he's got some funny funny stories um, Stu uh, got a few sisters as well, haven't you? We've got four. The just getting sisters. this out there because normally you have to stand up at the front of the bus, and it was like, "Who are you?" Yeah, I've got five sisters, and then it was like, "Oh, you know," and the beeping of the horn and all that sort of stuff. So we've got that out there. What other sports you play growing up? Uh, I, funny, I actually started off playing football on Saturdays, rugby on Sundays, and then after about probably a couple of weeks, my dad realised that all I wanted to do was just stand at centre back and bosh people shut with the shoulders. Um, so I. To my great regret, I, I focused on rugby from that point. Um, wish I'd stuck with football for a little bit longer, just to build, um, build a bit more foot, footballing skills, which I'm sure we'll talk about um, about like early specialisation and obviously playing different sports. Um, but after that, moved on to played a bit of tennis. Um, always skied for as long as I can remember, since I was probably seven or eight. Skiing, moved on to snowboarding. Used to used to do a bit of sailing in the summer, and then that kind of moved on to a bit of kayaking, paddleboarding, um, and then rugby's been the main one. Um, strength and conditioning kind of came a little bit later when I got to my late teens. Um, as I was starting to take my rugby a bit more seriously, I got a little bit interested, and then obviously go off to uni in in England, different culture, um, 
got really into it there. And then more recently, I've, I've dabbled in a, in a little bit of CrossFit, which is always always fun to uh, to throw some well, tin around. And, you already spark up there, Scott. Yeah. We've got a man across the table from me. He likes a little bit of CrossFit. Never never miss a session. I can say never miss a session. It's easy, mate. If you're busy, go and do CrossFit. Rock up, do the work about workout, get out of there. Get out of there, yeah. yeah. I don't know. If I stopped playing, I, might, I wouldn't mind trying a competition, but mm. like, I wouldn't want to be one of those guys, be like, okay, we're doing uh, muscle-ups. Can't do that. Um, we're doing this one. Yep, can't do that either. So they scale the workout, but it's not the same. You want to be able to no. do all the all the exercises. It's, yeah, it's 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 fun to try. I think. Um, what is your most? What would be uh, the most hated exercise? You think my most hated gym exercise? Well, just in CrossFit or, or in CrossFit? The worst one. Uh, double unders. Yeah, mate. I just it's for Aren't those you, that don't know. It's when you skip, you jump once, but the the rope actually skips under your feet twice yeah, so on each like, repetition. You know, instead of that, it's like boom, like that. You, you, actually, you don't like it, Scott? For you, do you I, not like those ones? I only got chucked out of the of a session one day because we were doing one session. We had to do, I think it was like three three rounds, but you do ten rounds, so thirty rounds in total. And you do like seven calories or nine calories on the skier, and then you have to do double unders, which I started to get the hang of. And then you have to do, I think, snatch. Mm. And so, but you only have a minute. So you're only doing a couple of reps. You get a bit of rest and then you just churn through the reps. Yeah, so we got into the double unders, was getting the hang of them and stuff. And then you get into snatch. Well, when you're fresh, a snatch is easy. But when you start getting tired and basically, uh, I, sort of, I sort of started failing on my snatch. That sounds weird to say that. <laughs> I started failing on my snatch. Um, so I started failing on that. So I was, you know, you get, you get flustered and then uh, go back on the calorie. I've still pissed off because I can't do the snatch anymore get back onto double unders and then uh, can't even do that anymore and just basically fall apart in the workup and then that part finishes then you go into the snatch can't even lift and then it's just like oh for goodness sake and then I end up just slamming the, the bar down and it just goes just bounces oh. off over into the wall the woman's like if you do that again you're out and I was like Ooh, sorry <laughs> bad, I just stop the workout now bad day at the gym bad day at the office mate <laughs> Um, coming coming back on to your family and the sports, you said you got yep. your four sisters. Did, they, did everyone does everyone play sport? In your family? Um, they all started um, with with dance. They all danced at Top Squash actually mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Um, Janet Hutchins School of Dance, I think it was called. And um, shout out, yeah. And um, so yeah, they they all did that. And then after a while, they they kind of took um, just took strides in, in different directions um, some of them two of them actually came down to, to RCL when they were very young um, had like a rugby taster session um, obviously women's rugby was not what, what it is now um, so they, they enjoyed it but they didn't really stick at it um, two of them went on to play at university uh, one played for a year in Austria and then one played for a year in Cardiff um, and then now they all stay fit active um, usual summer sports like um, yeah, kayaking, paddleboarding, like water sports, always fun to do in the summer. Are they sports or are they leisure activities? Yeah, it's a, such a That's big, a, yeah. big debate. It's isn't just a it? question, isn't it? It's only a question. I'm not taking sides. I'm just the asking. Sports the or the games, yeah. <laughs> leisure activity. Yeah, yeah leisure, and it's then um, so yeah, that that kind of stuff. Um, so okay, what about backyard cricket, um, indoor cricket? Who? Do you, what? Because there's five of you. How do you split up the teams? Uh, usually. Depending on the sport, sometimes it was me on my own against the other four. Um, oh, gee whiz. Yeah. We got, you've got four sisters, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, four five years. sisters. I, uh, I, I slept over at Stu's on Friday night because obviously had two or three beers so I couldn't drive home afterwards. There's still a big trampoline out the back. Yeah. How do yeah. we not get on that <laughs> on Friday night? <laughs> Um, yeah, we we brought the springs in because um, it hasn't been used in a, in a few years. But trampoline's always good fun. Yeah. I hope you put him out there to have a, have a kip. Oh yeah. Sleep, yeah, he slept in the lounge. So he said, "Oh, okay, upgrade." Not get into this lounge. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stu, obviously, you as you said, you went to school in, in in Luxembourg, and I guess you've seen both ends of the spectrum in terms of uh, in terms of provision for uh, for school sports. So, what's the big difference between Lux and the UK what, what have you seen um, between obviously Luxembourg and, and the UK and to a wider extent I think we can extrapolate it to extrapolate it look at that what that's the hell how many letters, what how many letters have we got what the hell does that mean I think that's nine letters I'm not sure how many Scrabble points you'd get but <laughs> it's a good tell word tell me what that word means Stuart it means when you um, scale it up to to uh, to a wider level well, look um, at that Zach if you're listening in if you want big words down at the rugby club next year this could be your man mate um, I think you could, you could, yeah, you could extend it to the English-speaking world versus kind of the more 
um, continental approach to, to sport. In Luxembourg, um, a lot of the sport, nearly all the sport, is driven by clubs and there's very little provision for sport in most schools. Okay, there's a, obviously a couple of different expe- exceptions with the international school and, and St. George and some of the other schools that are popping up, but historically... They're, they're, they're more they're English in, Yeah, schools, exactly, they? they're more English-speaking, whereas historically um, the Luxembourg schools, the European, the French school... The only amount of physical activity you'll do is you might get four hours in, in junior school uh, of PE and then as you get older, you, that might shrink down to two hours. Um, whereas um, where I am now at Stowe in, in England and the, the other con- other English-speaking countries, Australia, New Zealand, um, there's much more of a focus for kids to play some generally kind of three main sports one in the winter uh, one in the spring and then one in the summer just to be clear though that is very much a, a private um, yeah. a private school mentality or you refer to them as the public schools because technically they're um, open to anybody from the public who can afford the fees that's yeah. the so when they talk about the terminology yeah. um, and then in your traditional state schools um, you tend to have more but they, they, again this has changed in sort of the yeah. last 10-15 years you had more you know very there's more very much sports that are easy access. So football, rugby, hockey, you know, limited, uh, a limited amount of, um, l- of provision actually yeah, needed. And, and a low barrier to entry from a, from a financial point of view. Rugby, football, you probably need um, a pair of shin pads, a mouth guard, a pair of boots. You can use the Not same for rugby, though, even though John Flynn wore shin pads. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that was a brilliant post, by the way. <laughs> you did it. Don't, yeah. don't ever tell someone, if you wear shin pads for rugby, just <laughs> don't keep it to yourself. People, don't tell people that, okay? Um, but yeah, so I think that that's one of the main, and you're right, the, the divide between state schools and, and public schools um, in England is very different. And to, to another extent, I'm sure, Nathan, you, in, in New Zealand as well, there's a bit of that as well. Um, but it's just the, the, the constant omnipresent omnipresence of sports. So every afternoon after the lessons, you have to go do an activity. Most of the time it's sport, but you can also dabble in, in a few other kind of creative activities. And on the weekend, you represent the school um, and the amount of there's there's your main core sports for for boys would be kind of rugby, hockey, and then cricket, uh, athletics as well, and then girls generally tends to be hockey, netball, uh, a little bit of lacrosse. Again, women's cricket taken off after the hundred uh, in the last couple of years. So there's and but th- those are the main sports, and there's plenty of other kind of more niche ones with rowing, with badminton, tennis. Um, not really niche, but. L- fewer people playing um yeah massive difference i mean we've talked about this before haven't we scott you say come on to a saturday afternoon you have to play for your you have to play for your school but there's no real have because the children have been doing it at such a young Mm. younger age with their let's say their primary schools you don't feel forced to go back and play for your school on the weekend it's just it's just a it's a habit isn't it exactly and it's more you know if i if i said to you speak to some people and they'll be like, what was your timetable like? Oh, we did half days on Wednesdays and, you know, half day on a on a Saturday morning as well. They'd be like, oh, that'd be rubbish. And it's like, it, you just did it. It was, it's all part of it. You got to play your sport. You still get to have a lot of fun. You know, I was, I was lucky enough to be there for You're my not- sixth form. But you, you, you do your, you have fun with the boys and stuff in the mm. evenings and go and cause trouble around the boarding house you're not going like to do you're not going to do an exam on a saturday you're playing you you're doing yeah. something that you enjoy doing that your school has taught yeah. has taught you from a from a young age so mm. yeah very very different to continental europe one would would say well we cuz it's unfair to say oh we should change sport um, in Luxembourg to, you know, how it is oh, everywhere I'd love, else. I'd love to turn the tap and change it. <laughs> wouldn't but I? you've got to, you know, you have to, you have to appreciate, you sort of want to, you don't, I'm not going to say meet in the middle, but I think personally, yeah. I think there needs to be more of an emphasis on school sport in, in Luxembourg. And we talk about it all the time, like inter-school stuff. That is where it's at. Like, you know, inter-school sports days, uh, where, you know, the matches. There is that with the LAZEP. Um, and stuff like that but there's always be a uh, there'll always be a focus on clubs clubs is always seen as the priority here I remember a brilliant um, um, a brilliant my, my PE teacher um, and he said this is before I went to Stowe's at Campion and he, a guy said to him um, uh, he said oh, can, are you available to play um, on, on Thursday and he said oh, I've got club training and he's like no it doesn't work like that so your school your school training is your priority bang you know that's yeah. there's no grey area and stuff like that 
Um, but um, how would you like it to see it changed in in Luxembourg? Um, I th- I think there's definitely an, a need for some evolution. Um, possibly whether we just start at a on a on a entry Are you taking my evolve and putting a shun on the end of it to I am, claim I am, some more i am um, some more some more scrabble some more points, scrabble points. Yeah. your evolve word wasn't as wasn't, good wasn't, as that word <laughs> procurement or whatever it's saying what was that word again it's extrapolate extrapolate gee where's it's um, gonna be the headline of this uh, but, um i'm yeah, not gonna put the show number when i post this <laughs> it's just gonna be hashtag extrapolate um i think first step could maybe just be introducing more sport or more physical activity in schools as a as a rule of thumb just from a kind of wellness and um perspective because unfortunately the, the in a kind of western world there is a there is always an increase in the last few years there's been an increase in in childhood obesity um, and just overall um even adult obesity in the last probably decade or so just people sedentary lifestyles covid obviously happened lockdowns that that all happened and people weren't moving as much so i think that could be a, an entry point just having more sport getting people playing um more sports team sports individual sports with implements whether it's a racket or a stick or something the, the big the big point i always try and enforce um is that you're yes there's like an emphasis on clubs here but the difference with school and club is you have to go to school so mm. why not make the provision for sports at, at the, school? the school and it's you know from make, a business point of view, would you, easier, if you've it? got to pick up little Jimmy at quarter past three, would you rather pick him up then and then take him to his mm. clubs? Which or, is what's effectively what's happening. Exactly. Or would you rather pick him up at five o'clock or half five after he's absolutely flogged, you know, and he's been he's been playing sport after school, for the school, after a couple of hours? You know, yeah, from, uh, it's a rhetorical question. Yeah, no, for for parents as well, like that's a that's a massive thing where you can just pick them up after school. They've already done exercise for the day. They've played sport. They've they're tired. They've had some good time with their friends. And obviously, bonus, it's a more kind of child pickup friendly hour to pick them up at half past five. You when you finish the office, rather than having to duck out and work part time or have to leave early, pick them up, take them somewhere else, and then go back and to then work. Go back and to even, work for yeah. an hour and a half. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Who was your first coach, Jim? Um, my first coach was a fellow New Zealander, Greg Britton, um, okay. from yep. RCL. Porky, yep. Yeah, Porky. Well. Yeah, so um, he Porky? was... He could, Why Porky was he could, called Porky? His brother was pig, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, his, mate, his, his mate was Beefo, so there's a few of them. <laughs> Pretty original with the nicknames <laughs> in... Uh, no, I mean, he, he, um, Greg was one hell, of a, one hell of a coach and one yeah. hell of a, one hell of a um, good guy as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, he was my coach from... He was the... I was part of the, the very first kind of RCL junior team. So we started in the under sixes um, with a few good friends of it, like uh, Will Dennis was in that team and his brother Jason, Tom Evans as well. And there was, a few, there was a good few of us and then just went all the way through till the under 11s. So, yeah. I believe Will Dennis is playing touch for was from the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Netherlands. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I just recently saw, was it images of you playing sevens recently? Yeah. Was that you for Luxembourg? Yeah. For- that was uh, that was a couple of weeks ago, probably, yeah, three, four weeks ago. Um, Come back. Yep. In, in Zagreb. Um, first first stage of the European uh, European series for Luxembourg so yeah my first tournament in 1700 and and, <laughs> and how did it go um for for me on a personal level I loved being back out there it was unbelievable feeling um just uh, that that's the kind of environment that I was craving and those kind of feelings those those jitters that you get before the game the um, adrenaline the adrenaline pumping that, that little bit of like those those nerves, but that tells you that you're you're you care about something and you're you're excited about it. Um, from a team perspective, I think we we probably underperformed a little bit. We we had ambitions to go um, to go through to to the semi-finals. Um, unfortunately, we ended up losing in the quarters to to Ukraine, who ended up winning that tournament in particular and then getting promoted a couple of weeks later. Um, we finished eighth. Um, yeah, we we underperformed, but there's there's plenty of potential. Um, we just need to keep building, get people playing. And that was and and that team was a lot of the basis from the from the side that went down to Malta uh, six weeks ago. Now, yeah, I'm yeah, that's right. So out of the out of the twelve players that went to Malta, I think uh, nine of them were were carried over to to Zagreb. Um, the only ones that didn't come were through injury. So uh, we had a couple of a uh, couple of boys get injured: Reese Williams, Toby Sweetenham, and. Um, 
Matteo Franzina, I think, yeah. all, all injured. So then three more come in. And unfortunately, again, between Zagreb, the second stage and uh, the first stage, and then the second one in Budapest, again, there's a few more injuries. Um, yeah. Any, any more tournaments this summer? Uh, no, that's the 15s now. No, guess, that's yeah. it. That's that's the end of it. Um, unfortunately, I think most of the clubs, uh, Valfordange and RCL, are going back to pre-season training at the end of July or beginning of August. So uh, it is important for, for the boys to get a bit of a rest um, and then get ready to rip in, especially there's a, there's a little bit of an uncertainty at the moment about what the German uh, Bundesliga structure is yeah. going to be. The Germans <laughs> Bundesliga. You, you've been waiting for that moment, haven't you? You've been waiting for that moment. Well, I mean, Stu and I have always spoken about it. I think that the big difference here um, is because you've got a smaller pool of players, you know, it's almost you 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 go very quickly up to what is the top level in Luxembourg, you know, the perceived high performance, high performance level. But I think there's avenues to have other options for to play as other teams. And it's just about playing at the end of the day, you know, but I think there's too much of an emphasis on this high performance thing. You know, these guys need to go away and play, even just get together. Like, how many times have you got a load of boys together and go and play sevens for a weekend somewhere and then just get on the beer and stuff like that? That's good. That's part of that, part of that, you know... Um, Culture development sport, and stuff yeah. like that because the difference with sevens is these days you don't really get these one day tournaments the Europeans but that, you, you played one last yeah. last week which is why you're absent on, on, on Sunday you missed the bus coming home late yeah, I had a couple time. of rum and cokes on the way home you know um, so but is, is, is that the type of is that the type absolutely. of footy that you're, that, you're that, talking about yeah absolutely I mean and there are some decent teams that you know play play at that level but you're going to over the course of, you know, if you're going to play five or six games over the course of the weekend, even if you are horrendous the whole weekend, you are going to get better because you're, how do you get better? You play against better players, you watch what they do. Um, and you, you always talk about what's your homework for, um, you know, for, for different subjects and stuff. You go off and study. Well, when you go to a sevens tournament, there's not really anything else to do other than sit and watch the other matches and stuff. So you're going to watch stuff, you're going to boy, do, see boys doing sick offloads or absolutely folding boys, you know, whatever it is, cool plays, trick plays, good kicks and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And that's, by seeing all of that, that's your, you know, it's just boosting up that rugby I mean, IQ, isn't did it? You, did you um, get sent off last week? I didn't get sent off, I got yellow carded. Okay, so... What, yeah, okay, yellow card's still ascending off, is it not? No. You still have to, you know, it's min- minutes, isn't it? Yeah, uh, still minutes not playing. I think Mael knows a few things about a red card and sent, sent off. Who? Mael, was it? Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we were, first game, right, we're playing the team that won it, RG Heidelberg, they're good. They've got a load of, load of boys who have sort of played on the World <laughs> Series and stuff with Germany and stuff. They're a quality team. I think second kickoff of the game, he's, uh, they've kicked off to us and they've got this big Samoan fella who has gone charging after the ball and gone to jump and he's just basically tackled him in the air and uh, yeah and then the bloke, poor bloke he was a big bloke he landed on his sort of on top of his oh. neck nasty slam um, and it's like yeah and then you basically sat there haggling with the referee yellow card that sir just a yellow no mate that's uh, that's going to be red so, oh that was it that was his tournament yep that's done and dusted oh. You know, yeah. Okay. Let's say accidents is, is what it is. Again, he'll 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 come back out of it as a better player because he'll he'll learn something from that moment. Yeah. yeah. But also, if you if that's that again, that sort of thing happens. You have to sit and you watch and you see all the boys playing and stuff like that. And again, that's why a bit big uh, big advocate of the old uh, the old sevens. Not a big fan of these two day things. Just go. You know, just do the. I would do three group games. Fourth game would be knockout, and then if you go the whole way, you might play five or six that's games. A lot of, in a, game. a lot of games of. Yeah, you know. you're pretty. You're pretty toast after that. Yeah, but then you've got um, yeah, a bit exactly. more time for the après ski rehydration. Exactly. You know, we could do a bit of rehab or recovery on the Sunday. And any many red cards for you, Stu? Uh, Anywhere in the Luxembourg colours? None in the Luxembourg colours. I think I've had one yellow card for the national team and two late tackle for thumping someone hard. Yeah, against Norway, but it wasn't even. That, that bad it wasn't that late oh, I'm trying to remember that oh, I remember it very oh, it's, well it's, <laughs> it, it wasn't late it wasn't late at all it, it wasn't it, late at all we were playing yeah we were playing Norway at the, did it rain did it yeah rain it was raining at Josie Bartel ball goes oh, to their I fly I, half I pop, pop my rib that I think you might have yeah they send a big big floating pass played on you know I'm, I'm playing at centre and I just I can see the pass coming shoot out line get man and ball um, 
Oh, I remember it wasn't. And, yeah. He he's basically put his hands out to catch him. And, and like the second, it's and as soon as he sees me coming, he kind of like lets it go. And yeah, and then, so that yeah, that's that's my yellow card for for the national team. Um, I have also had two two red cards. Um, one was when I was playing for UCC. Um, picked uh, what country is it? Uh, in Ireland. Um, I was playing playing with a with a good good J one team. So they're kind of their second string, uh, second fifteen. On a Sunday, um, fly into a, I'm going into a rock, and I feel sorry for the for the the opposition player. Um, he must have been playing his first game of senior rugby, um, age eighteen, and I I I was bit I was twenty twenty four I think at the time twenty five twenty four. Um, I didn't realise how light he was, so I went to clear him out, and I actually just picked him up and um ended up dropping him on his head because he was a lot lighter than I expected and then You're just so strong from all that crossfit mate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that 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 saw me um get straight red and I had to go do a disciplinary panel and uh, sit did you, sit did you put a suit on for the I had to yeah I, I wore a suit um sat in the car with my coach just talking about the um getting my sort my story straight and what I was going to do pled guilty um I got a low entry ban and then um yeah nothing no, no mitigate. Uh, there was no mitigating mitigating factors at the time, but they they Not reduced nice it words, down. Yeah. That's a nice word. <laughs> they had, they reduced it down to three weeks because it was my first offence, and luckily we had a like it was quite fortunate in that sense that um we actually didn't have any matches for the next three weeks. So I think since then World Rugby have actually changed it to a number of matches you're banned rather than number of days okay. because a lot of myself included but players at the top level used to kind of sneak in and invent oh yeah I'm going to go play for the reserve team no you're not like you're a professional player um, so yeah they've changed that since very good well Stu we always ask our guests a couple of funny questions to uh, to just sort of tidy things up here so um, I know the answers to most of these moustache or mullet what would you go for if you had to pick one moustache okay and I know you would go for the budgies over the board shorts correct yep and uh what would your walkout music be if you were in the uh in the darts that's a very very good question um oh, i like a french song <laughs> i i quite like um hound dog by elvis presley Hound dog by Elvis Presley. Oh, that's a I'll very have, nice one. I'll have to have a well look, Ski. Played. Can you write that Stuart down so I can stick it. on the post later on? Um, Ain't nothing like a hound dog. Stu, we'll keep jumping over to you. We've got, we got about 15 minutes left. We're just going to uh, um, fire into uh, the, the rest of the big stories. Um, Nathan, can you just have a look and see if the uh, the golf has in fact finished up there? Um, as it stood at the start of play, obviously Brian Harmon... Um, he actually went into Sunday with the biggest 54-hole uh, lead um, in the championship since McElroy led there by six in 2014. Uh, John Ram went 63 um, with his eight under par. And then you, uh, the rest of the pack, you sort of had McElroy, Fleetwood, Hovland, Rosner, Day and Straka. It was absolutely lashing it down. Speaking of lashing it down, the fifth day of the fourth test has been washed out. So there's been no cricket played, which means Australia do actually retain. Australia will be happy uh, for that because the they, the, they were on the bottom end of the road. Just coming back onto that golf, yeah. Indeed, in Brian Hammond won by six shots um, ahead of Day, Zhu uh, Hyun Kim, uh, Sep, and Ram. They all, yeah, they all finished on seven under. And McElroy, uh, Grillo, both finished on six under. So, yeah, well done, well played. He was uh, on fire on those first couple of days back over to you chief um of the, uh, the women's world cup started on uh, thursday there this is the ninth edition um and it's the first one to have the expanded format of 32 teams the more the merrier um new zealand defeated norway uh, in the opening game 1-0 in uh, front of 42,137 fans at eden park um it's been pretty full be on the biggest actually. that'll be the biggest uh, women's football game match in new zealand for sure oh yeah 100 it's been pretty full on for the kiwis actually the last couple of days hasn't it because there was that oh, and then obviously right. there was a shooting that took place in auckland uh, as well the, wasn't the, it? Mo- the morning before a construction yeah. construction worker who was he happened to have a, a tag on his uh on, on his because they wrist on his uh, ankle. ankle. Yeah. Um, yeah, went back to his uh, place of work and shot a couple of people. Not not something that a few people every in day. the black book. I think was it? Yeah, I think so. And then and then not only that. Um, last night there was um, yeah, there's an attempted arson attack on the hotel that the that the that the Kiwi team was staying in. So um, not really going down too well in in, in Auckland. I, have to well, t- I mean, it's it's interesting because it's it's between. I I actually thought it was only in Australia. 
um, the tournament, but it's obviously out in new, shared between the two of them, isn't it? Um, the US uh, launched their bid for an unprecedented, unprecedented, there's a big word for you, Stu, third consecutive world crown um, with a comfortable uh, win against Vietnam 3-0. They won it in 2015 uh, and 2019. In other results, Australia beat Ireland 1-0, Spain beat Costa Rica 3-0, Nigeria drew 0-0 with Canada, Switzerland beat the Philippines 2-0, Japan beat Zambia 5-0. England stuttered to a little win over Haiti uh, 1-0, Denmark beat China 1-0 and the Swedes beat South Africa. Pick a team, mate. Who's going to... Who's gonna, who's gonna... Oh, the Yanks. One. I think the Yanks will do it again, will they? The England. I think they're favourites. Yeah. I know, apart from, I mean, England. You know, as you say, they stuttered to a one-nil win, but they have won the they have won the Euros. They were. I mean, it's yeah. an interesting one because it's just, you know, they want to you want to talk about trying to generate more revenue and all this sort of stuff, but it's not. Then are they going to sell out all these stadiums Mate, for all these New games? Zealand can't like sell, New Zealand can't sell it. You know, they can't sell them. Everyone's got free, everyone's got free tickets walking into the stadium because they can't. They're giving them away, but I mean, I think that's where Australia will probably upstage New Zealand a lot. Australia's got a much bigger, a bigger market, but and particularly for football as well. But um, speaking to some uh, Kiwis, they're saying, "Well, we, you don't organise the games like we want to. We want to, we want to come in and pay our pay our fifteen bucks at the gate. We don't want to pay online." With really bizarre mm. is what we would think. But that's the way that that's the way it is back there. You exactly, know? isn't that island mentality? Of, exactly. But that's that's interesting. You say that because some people, as you say. I like to go to whatever sports fixture I'm going to and I've got my 50 bucks. I know I'm going to spend 15. I'm going to buy my program. I'm going to have a burger, a couple of pints and then that's my that's my weekend sorted and it's yeah, I get that you obviously want to do everything online because then you can just count the cheddar, can't you? But that that you can always you can't Different always mindset, yeah. you can't always rely on it, but it's if it's what's clearly happened here is you know, yes, they've been hosted the World Cup, but what's been done that's preceded it in the year or the year and a half or the two years before to try and generate that interest. Do you know what I mean? It's like if... I think they've tried marketing it pretty... I think they've, from a, if you're looking from a New Zealand view, they've done all, all they possibly can with Australia to, to market the heck out of the tournament, but we just don't see that on the news. You know, we, we, we see New Zealand very differently from the stories that we're reading, that, that, that we're telling you today. Very, uh, very I, think, I think what might, what might happen is... Obviously, Australia, New Zealand, two very, two very far countries to get to. Um, so those ho- host nations will probably get a really good amount of support, like throughout the campaign. Um, but it's it sounds like some of the maybe smaller matches when you've got. Um, I think I, I was just watching it earlier today, this afternoon. Like France were playing against Jamaica in a half-empty stadium. Um, obviously, not many people are going to travel from Jamaica or France. The only people that were wearing French berets in the crowd were probably French people living in New Zealand. Expats out there, yeah. Expats, and then same with the, with the Jamaicans but, and a few a few kind of neutrals. But it, it is very difficult sometimes to generate that enthusiasm when you've got a lot of different kind of neutral countries. Out, you're not going to fill out even a small stadium of 20,000. Yeah. You're not going to, in, in exactly. New Zealand, you're not. You know, you, we, we look at it in, in rugby. I think it's rugby man country. Yeah. They don't sell. They don't sell out Super Rugby games. No. They, even even their yeah. stadiums are half full. We're not, unfortunately, we're, the we're, 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 <laughs> we're not all there. I think you've got to you've got to consider the like the infrastructure that's already in place. I think if if you went to the likes of England, okay, uh, Ireland as well, uh, France, you know. If you're hosting the Women's World Cup uh, and all these matches, you're not going to, for some of the games, you're going to like to book out like a Twickenham or a Wembley for an Old Trafford. But if you've got these smaller games and you go down to a, I don't know, you know, like a Northampton town or something where you're only looking to get sort of eight, 10,000 people in and you probably will get a lot more of the, the um, you know, the, the local community. But the other thing in New Zealand as well is a lot of those stadiums are sort of multi-purpose, aren't they? Yeah. So am I right in thinking the a lot of the Kiwi ones are the big, uh, the big Oval. domes, ovals, yeah. ovals. Play, obviously play cricket, you play the NRL and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, you play rugby union. Um, same, same in Australia as well, a lot yeah. of ovals. Um, yeah. yeah, it's almost like smaller. You, you're better off, would you rather play at a big stadium that holds 100,000 people and, you know, not sell, only sell 10,000 tickets. And that's what Luxembourg do with the the women's football, don't they? They'll play their games in smaller venues where you can sell them out. Why do you want to sell them out? Get more of an atmosphere. More atmosphere and more entertainment, more likely, yeah, more more punters will go down and watch. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, even with the, I went down to the, the Hesperange game, you know, the Champions League qualifier on Wednesday there, and they only had like, I guess it was, so if you're in the main the main, 
you know, the main stand. stand yep. You've got the part down the left and this part was the only bit that opened. I think they got just over 3,000 people down, which isn't bad. But you just it's not bad. I mean, you've got to consider. You know, most of Luxembourg, you know, you got two national sports here: one going out to restaurants, and two on 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 holiday. And and <laughs> I guess what? It's the middle of July. Yeah. Most people are on on holiday. I mean, it's, but what was interesting is they they did segregate the fans. You probably had a couple hundred, oh, really? a couple of hundred uh, guys over. You know, with the average rigs out, tops off after they score the first penalty in the corner, like pushed away. And I was like, so is it really that, that bad with I'm the su- football and stuff? Would you no, not chuck we, them we've in? We've been to the Northern Ireland. We, we've, been, we've been to a few games at the stadium. It's not. I think it was. A, it was a. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's quite. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. You know, but you know, I'm, what do I know at the end of the day? Um, an interesting one here. England goalkeeper Mary Earps, Earps says it's hurtful that fans cannot buy a replica of her goalkeeper shirt. The 30-year-old was named the women's top goalkeeper at last year's FIFA Best Awards uh, following the Lionesses win in the European Championships. Um, the kit is manufactured by Nike and it is reported that producing the new women's goalkeeper kits for the public is not part of their commercial it's strategy. It's funny you say that because that was the same answer I got when they wouldn't when they wouldn't put my Adidas uh, squash shirt on from the team last year at, uh, at Intersports. So funny that. That's such a good what way a- to put it. Yeah, it's not part of our commercial strategy. That's good words. As I said said earlier, they've just done a brilliant chat GPT on that. And thanks for next swipe swipe right, next article. But I mean, it's it's one of those things at the end of the day. How many shirts is she going to sell? Mum, dad, cousin, you'll probably maybe sell. Okay, I'm being a bit harsh there. You'll probably sell a few, you know, a, a, a few more. But really, is it really worth Nike's uh, efforts to be to be putting putting a hundred thousand shirts out on uh, around um, around Rebel Sport, whatever it's called in the UK, into sport? Rebel, Rebel Sport is Aussie, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there I'm, we I'm go. Go back, to, <laughs> go back to my roots. But would you? Is it really worth it? I don't think so. it's not part of the. Oh, it's, yeah, not, it's, it's, it's not worth. Point. Sorry, love. Buy a few more shirts it's, and give them out to, yeah, to the people that want them. Yeah. yeah. Some some of it will come down to economics, and if if the company that is manufacturing the kit, whether it's Nike, Adidas, Puma, whoever it is, if they don't think the market is there for a product, they will not sell it. If the market and and I think there's already huge strides being made when a lot of those women's te- national teams have um, a kind of women's cut jerseys available for fan purchase which is already a big step compared to some of the some of the men's cuts which are usually very wide um, and then if the crest is a little bit different or it might just say um, it, it might say something different on the crest that's already a big step in that direction yeah. I think nitpicking over a goalkeeper kit is probably not the way to go about it. No, there, there's better gains to be had elsewhere, yep. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. The better words are, it's just not part of the commercial strategy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well played. Straight back, that one. Straight back to the bowler. Yeah. Uh, Formula One, uh, Hungarian uh, Grand Prix, obviously, Lewis Hamilton was on pole, and it was the first time in 20 months, which would have taken him to his 104th uh, pole position. Um, obviously, that's been tied up. Nice Red Bull... Uh, dominated again, uh, Max Verstappen. That's their twelfth consecutive win, dating back to the uh, final race of 2022. Um, and it was actually uh, it was quite significant because it broke the record of 11 straight wins by McLaren, set with uh, uh, um, uh, and Senna and um, Elaine Prost in 1988. Um, That's brilliant. I mean, he's been breaking records <laughs> yeah. for for a while now. It- When's it going to get a bit too boring? Yeah, well, would you argue that's it is too boring now? Formula One. Do you want I, to see somebody else win? Yep. Yeah. As much as I, I don't, I don't, I'm a, I don't say I'm a Max Verstappen fan, but I've, I've enjoyed seeing him beat uh, Lewis Hamilton. But um, I wouldn't mind to see now Lewis Hamilton beat him back just for just for a bit of change. Yeah. Evolution, yeah. maybe. Mm. <laughs> I can't even remember the word he said earlier. <laughs> uh, you got the London Diamond League. That's going off as as we said. I think the big one here is Iman Zarnell Hughes. He's broken the thirty year. British 200 uh, metre record when we talk about going fast that's what we love to see boys boys going fast uh, obviously sold it out 50,000 people there um, and he actually took 0.21 seconds off the previous mark set by John Regis at the 1993 World Championship it actually saw him take third behind uh, the American World Champion Noah Lyles who won in 19.47 for me 100 metres will always be the best one Nathan we said this before you got a little bit yep. on the Tour de France yeah Tour de France yep today was the final stage of the 20, uh, 2023 Tour de France stage 21 115.1 kilometres gee whiz that's a line uh, that's a fair way to hike and that would be on you know 
as you say, after 21, 21 stages. Wow. Ceremonial stage um, ends with a bunch sprint on the Champs-Élysées. I think, I guess they're all probably ramming in home now. Yeah. Uh, but Jonas uh, Vinegard, the Dane, it was, had the leader's jersey in yellow, and he's obviously set to be crowned, isn't he, with uh, Tajer Podjakar, second overall, seven minutes and 29 seconds behind. So yeah. uh, I don't mind watching that last little, I think it's about 70k yeah. around the Champs-Élysées, isn't yeah, it, where they go the, hammer and tonks. There's a little bit of... Um, yeah, there's usually like a... It's kind of a circuit. They go around the Arc de Triomphe, come back under around. Under a bridge, a little bit under, under, a, under a bridge. They turn around and they do that loop. I think I think it's about seven, six, seven or eight k loop, and they do it about a dozen times. We often we often look for a little bit of excitement. There's only yeah. it's only the sprint really exactly, and it's also on cobbles. So cobbles are notor- notoriously dangerous in um, in cycling. Usually finishes with a sprint. So. Yeah, never really. I've never seen anyone can out on those cobbles though that's what you're all about you just want crashes that's oh, what you want in Formula 1 canning you're sort, out, you're sort of like that sticks on the Formula 1 just, <laughs> just to watch your start looking at the first corner <laughs> crashes up or whatever any good crashes Stu um, rugby mate we haven't talked enough about rugby today there's also hurling as well hurling was, yeah the All-Ireland final was on today was on today yeah Limerick beat uh, Kilkenny oh. so they've got their fourth title in a row mate well I, I the, on rugby British and Irish Lions uh, British and Ireland Irish Lions, uh, we know they're going to go down under in 2025. They're going to be playing New Zealand and Australia Invitational 15 in Adelaide. I'd be livid about that. Would you not? Why? Because, you know, it's in um, Australia. They, they, and they don't, and clearly, they don't have enough rugby players. Trying to poach would you be more. Would you be livid about playing the World Cup in, in, in New Zealand as well, mate? In the Women's World Cup? No, no, I think you're missing the point here because it's not it's like the Lions are going to Australia, you know? Have you seen the number of Kiwis living, living over in Australia? Not so much down in Adelaide, though. They're uh, mm. more up in, up in Brisbane on the, on the, on the, G, mean, on the GC, aren't they? Yeah, I can, I can see it might be a bit more competitive, but I don't think it will because most of the problem you have with those pickup teams is they don't get enough time together. Yeah. Jump. It's almost like it's a, a barbarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, it's pretty full on, though. Like, they're only out there for not even... What, they're out there for four and a half weeks? 28th of June... They'll be out there, what, they'll be in country for a week beforehand when yeah. they get out there to acclimatise and stuff. I mean, we'll, I, I love watching the Lions. It's as good as it gets Saturday, Wednesday, sports, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, 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 Tuesday, Saturday, Saturday. So it's all pretty full on as we Jam-packed. know. If, if, Australia, um, if an Australian team is going to win, Stu, who, which one Which one is it? The Force, Reds, Waratahs, Brumbies? I think it'll be the Brumbies. You think um, it'll be Brumbies? Yeah, they, they were the only... Um, they they beat the Lions last time the Lions were there in um, in 2013. Um, I think um, yeah there was a there was a it was a bad it was a midweeker again. But the Brumbies came from behind and, and nudged it in the end. Um, so I think they they've they've got good chance to do it as well. Right now two years away. But Stu, what's your what's your tell me a funny story of the playing days back between us? Just to finish things off here. Funny story. Um, what about beers? Any, any, any beer stories? Oh, don't tell any of them ones. There's a, there's a few. Um, I, I remember one sevens tournament um, in Prague. We we went out and um, obviously had a few, two, three beers, nothing, nothing more. Um, late, early hours of the morning, we're in the in the taxi back. And I think we've, we've all had a few too many. Um, I was in there. I think Eduardo Angioni, a friend of the show, was in there. Um, we had Philippe Vimont. The legend, yes, yes. and uh, I'm big, a, big, big I'm Johnny a, Fitz was in the cab as well. I'm actually sat here thinking, oh god, what's this one? I can't remember this one. And, anyway. um, so we're we're driving away, uh, getting this taxi. Ask the driver, takes back to our hotel in the middle of the countryside. Um, I do remember this one as well, God. And um, so yeah, Philippe Vimon's the adult of the group because the, the the rest of us were were just kids back then. We're all sat at the back, falling asleep. Get back to the hotel, um, Philippe Vimon hands over some money in, in the local currency um, and then he, he fell victim to, to the age old uh, age old problem of um, well yeah taxi drivers kind of pulling a fast one um, he pockets the change and in we're all very very hazy and then he hands, sticks his hand back out and he says you haven't paid me yet and Fimo haven't had a few few beers he's like oh oh I don't have any money left um, so we had to drive around Drive around to uh, to find a shop that had a, an ATM. Eventually, he goes out, pulls out more cash, and go, goes back to the cab. We get dropped off at the hotel, hands over the money, and it turns out it's not enough. And at that stage, uh, Johnny Fitz, Edo, and I, we've all, we've all kind of had enough, so we just run into the hotel and let Philippe Vimon go back to the ATM and and, and pay the rest. 
leave the old boys to sort it out. There's a, there's a, let's say there's a more, uh, there's an 18 plus version of that story, which I'm not going to tell. Um, as always, we say a huge uh, uh, shout out to the army of volunteers out there who make our uh, sporting world tick. You know, whether it's washing kit, marking pitches, doing sandwiches, helping out the club, coaching, referees, maybe not so much referees, but um, yeah, whatever you do to uh, get youngsters involved in sport, keep doing it. You can check out the regulars tomorrow from 6am. Uh, you've got the Sam Steen show. You've also got uh, the lunchbox with Stephen Steps Low at 12 o'clock. And then don't forget the home stretch with Melissa Dalton from 3 o'clock. You've got Dave Burrows with his DB3 session and also Sarah Tapp with the hangover sessions at 10 o'clock I nearly nailed it I nearly did it all in one breath there didn't I rolled off the tongue like warm honey well done Scott Brown Um, uh, if you're listening in uh, and we haven't given you a sport shout out um, or you want to throw some abuse our way getting comms on uh, Instagram check out this post when I do post it because I've actually got two tickets to give away for the basketball match on Wednesday where Ben Kovac and his buddies will be taking on Ireland down at the cock if you really want them you just got to write write away cock spelt a different way write the uh, sentence with um, extrapolate and you'll you'll certainly get there right boys until then it's cheer cheer cheer